this is an example of where the positive end of the market suffers from the you know debauched end of the market and it, it, it's it's a lesson for brewers um, to to take note of that if the whole of the beer industry is seen as being you know something that is abused and uh, just cheap booze then it, it makes it easier to argue against the uh, you know to to increase the tax on beer With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt have been bringing you the world's best local and imported malts. They are your premium brewing partner and they are proud supporters of Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me back uh, now, what's the opposite to stateside? Down underside, it's Matt Kirkegaard. G'day, Matt. <laughs> Morning, Pete. How are you? Well, back, on home, back on home turf. Yeah, it, 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 it's odd. It, uh, having spent, you know, close to two weeks in your uh, so, yeah, very close proximity, um, it, it feels funny doing this remotely again. It does, because I think, what, four or five podcast recordings we ended up sort of getting while we were OS in the States. Uh, so, yeah, it's a little bit odd. And, of course, came back and was were completely thrown by daylight savings. Yeah, first day back. Just so listeners know, we're recording this on Thursday. Pete and I both got in yesterday early morning. Um, but I'm feeling pretty good, Pete, I uh, have to say. Um, that Season late- veterans. Yeah. Oh, mate, I, well, I wouldn't say that, just that late evening flight, trying to you know, force a few hours sleep and then push through yesterday. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm sure I'll uh, flag towards the end of the day, but um, I've got my coffee. Um, hopefully not towards the end of the podcast. Not towards okay. the end of the podcast. <laughs> hopefully, listeners, we can at least get you through the podcast without snoring. But, uh, and, uh, and hopefully you can listen to it without doing the same. Exactly, yeah, we, which is something that we hope every week. But uh, no, we, we're not going to go too much into our US um, trip. You're going to hear some great content coming out through uh, the Bruce News on the Road, through the regular channel. Um, we've also done a bit of a wrap-up, Pete and I sitting in Stone Brewery, giving a bit of a observations over our US trip. Um, and we're just going to post that. You'll probably see that in the podcast channel, but it's, it's really just for the Facebook group. So um, we will be posting that there. So if you want to hear a little bit of our thoughts and reflections on our time in the US, uh, go jump into the, the, the Facebook group. Yeah, a little bit of bonus content uh, for our for our listeners. Stuff that didn't quite fit into the, I guess, the, the regular channel. We thought we'd just do a little bit of extra, uh, look, a little bit of an indulgence, I guess. But yeah, um, yeah just for the, for the Facebook group. But for everybody else, um, the news has just been continuing, Matt, and uh, we probably should just get straight into that. Um, we'll start off with uh, James Squire and Pirate Life uh, face the ABAC panel. A raft of ABAC judgments released this week have brought to the fore the relationship between sports and alcohol advertising, with James Squire and Pirate Life being on the receiving end of complaints. The first ruling by ABAC panel was in regards to a television advert for James Squire 150 Lashes, which broadcast on SBS during the US Open semifinal at 8.20 a.m., the complainant was concerned not about the content of the ad, but rather the placement of it during a major sporting event constituting a violation of alcohol advertising standards. And uh, the time, at the time that it was broadcast, when they said children might be watching the US Open. So this is a, this is a little bit of a change for. Uh, uh, look, we're not suggesting it's the same complainant every time, but um, certainly somebody's picked up on rather than the any anything untoward within the content itself. The timing of the content, absolutely, and I, I believe that you know, well, ABAC didn't necessarily find against those. It sort of discussed it, it made observations. Um, it's a little bit different 
James Squire Broadcasting during play school. Um, for example, play school's on the ABC, but you know, during morning children's programming, but during a sporting event that happens to take place on the other side, um, th- th- there was discussion about it. I think they, they looked in, you know, less than 5% of the audience were, were, were children. Um, the other one was the Pirate Life, uh, which has been sponsoring snowboarding. And um, there was some advertising involving someone obviously post snowboard run you know they've got the helmet off they've got the snowboard tucked under their arm and enjoying a pirate life i think was the 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 ad and you know suggesting that it was dangerous um you know suggesting alcohol and uh you know a a risky inherently risky sport uh mixed look not not was that because you could look at that and say he's about to put his helmet on and go snowboarding rather than assume that he's just taken his helmet off and has finished snowboarding the, 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 and he's rewarding the, himself with a icy cold beverage. Well, that, that's the thing. The complaint was, and it, it follows on from that skateboarding one where somebody's holding a can of beer while skateboarding. Um, I, I think the suggestion was that you know, skate, snowboarding is inherently dangerous and you shouldn't be promoting, um, yeah, linking it with the consumption of alcohol. Um, and yeah, look, first of all, not, not too much to say. There's no hysteria over these ones. They're complaints. They were considered... Um, Anyone who's got an interest in uh, a brewery or beer sales should go and have a look at, you know, should go and read through these to understand what the AVAC code is, um, just for your own uh, you know, understanding of where the potential pitfalls lie. Um, the thing for me is, as I've said in the past, Prof, um, anonymous complainants, although apparently one of the complainants did acknowledge that they were a industry health um, you know, researcher, um, so, uh, you know, someone with a professional knowledge. Um, but it, 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 the more that these complaints show understanding of prior judgments, just show how much, whether it's fair or just the sort of anti, you know, the, the, the alcohol research industry, the more that they buy into the ABAC code, the more that it shows that it's working. You know, whilst they do their 20 reasons why ABAC has failed, um, they constantly engage in the process. They constantly, um, you know, make complaints that force the uh, panel to uh, discuss nuances within previous discussions and sometimes find for, sometimes find against and create a precedence of... Um, you know, decision making that you know only strengthens the ABAC code, um, and you know they, they can knock it all they want, but they're engaging in it and it's working. So um, yeah, exactly, I think that's it's, all we need to say about it this week. It's doing its job, um, as was um, Bruce News' own Claire Burnett, who uh, obviously followed up and um, and checks in quite regularly uh, on ABAC. Decisions and yeah. complaints. So, well interesting one was uh, there was no complaint uh, or no finding yet um, about the Kellogg's beer. Um, you know, we wait with bated breath to see if somebody complained about that one. Yeah, you would have thought that that would be either fairly cut and dried um, and a quick turnaround on the response. I'm quite surprised that no, it's... no, well, there's a process. So, if there's a complaint, um, that the board needs to oh, make, there's need to refer the time, to yeah, the, of course, to the yep, people. yep, yep. Um, they've got a certain period of time with, with, within which to respond. Um, you know, it, it's all timeline. So, you know, we wouldn't hear about it for four to six weeks after the product um, landed, you, you'd imagine. Yeah, which is a little bit odd, isn't it? A bit 
counterintuitive because you think, well, you're allowing the product to stay out there for six weeks and then you might have to kind of try to push the genie back in the bottle. Um, well, I, I guess that's the thing about the you know, a lot of businesses um, and, and one of the complaints that was mentioned in the article but didn't actually make our, our news summary was a bottle shop that had suge- you know, made some suggestion that if you know, one beer is good, 10 is better, I think, from memory. Um, as soon as they were contacted by ABAC, they you know, deleted the post. So um, there, there is that process of making a complaint to ABAC, ABAC forwards it to um, the complainant, um, and at that stage, I guess, um, complaints... So, so that's when they've got the up to 28 days or whatever to respond, but they can respond well, but within the, the, 28 they, they, minutes if they want. They could take action straight away, go, oh, yeah. I, I wasn't even aware of ABAC, and yet I want to be a, you know, like a good corporate citizen. Um, it's just part of it. So, yeah, so... But then if they want to dispute it, then there, there is the, the, the process that has to be gone through. Yeah. Uh, now, Matt, it's fair to say that after two weeks in the States, what you and I, I'm, I'm guessing, are probably craving uh, is probably a, a couple of AFDs and a couple of um, <laughs> whatever, uh, lots of fruits and vegetable days. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yesterday was a day of uh, no VFDs, drinking and salad. Vegetable yes. and fruit days. Yes. Yeah. Because it's, look, uh, not that we sort of ate out of hotels. We, and, we, and we, ate, we, we ate broadly and widely. Either. Um, yeah, like, I, I, I don't think that there was any point during during the trip that we probably, you know, like I, I certainly didn't wake up with anything other than jet lag um, in any morning. Yeah. So just just so listeners don't get the wrong idea, you know, it was no, no. it, we, it we wasn't the Contiki tour of the US. No, no, no. But when you're, um, you know, you, you go from one place to another and you bump into brewers, uh, or you're doing, doing tours of yeah, doing tours of breweries and that sort of thing, and you, um, you know, oh look, you've got to try this and have a sample of this. And oh, for God's sake, yeah, I'm sure it'll come up, you know, <laughs> over the next few weeks during our, our Good Brews Week podcast. But, um, geez, it's hard to get a sensible serving size. You've, you've really got to ask for, you know, a, a sample. A shorty. Shorty. Shorties <laughs> are good. New Shorties we've discovered vo- vocabulary, yeah. Because otherwise you say, oh, I'd really like to try that beer. Here, boom, have a bucket of it. Oh, sorry, I meant to ask for, yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, but what we didn't encounter necessarily, and now whether it was the circles that we travel in or because we didn't do a lot of retail uh, shopping, which, which which is where a lot of this data is coming from, but we, we weren't exposed to um, the phenomenon that is hard seltzer. Well, we, we, we did bring some hard seltzer back with us um, that I've passed on to uh, the, the, the kids in the office to, to give me a, their, their review. Um, so we, we got some of the famous White Claw. White Claw Mango. was all we all we heard about was White Claw, White Claw, White Claw. Um, what people are willing to pay for it, the um, constant shortage, um, and the fact that yeah, it's just it's it's just making money hand over fist. It's just it just seems to have captured. Um, dare I say it? It's it's kind of the furphy of the U.S. seltzer market. Yeah, look, it, 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 it's exploded, but seltzers, alcoholic seltzers are huge. And so I, I just threw this in. It came in overnight. It was the Brewers Association newsletter. So there is a link in the show notes, but you do need to be a member of the Brewers Asso- the American Brewers Association to access it. So there's a, a paywall. So a quick summary um, to this is Brewers Association economist Bart Watson said that if there's anything that the craft beer industry loves more than talking about how craft lagers are going to be the next big trend and weren't... Actually, we probably no. Well, we talked about that in the um, 
in, in, in the our, bonus content. Bonus content. But, but yes, craft lager is absolutely huge in, in, in the US. Um, it's trends in general. So fa- so far this year, the inescapable trend is hard seltzer. Seltzer has exploded, he said, and in peak weeks, uh, seltzer approached 4% share of volume and 5 to 6% share of dollar sales in the scan data. Now, if the scan data is like our scan data, doesn't pick up taps or anything like that, but it does pick up uh, pack sales through major chains. So that's a pretty big, you know, that, that's... Uh, that's some decent numbers. That's some big numbers. It, 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 it's um, default was about 2%. So there were some weeks um, that it really did... Um, uh, leap, leap ahead, um, but the trend is certainly up. Um, Bart's takeaway was hard seltzers are here to stay. Um, they are taking from craft beer to some some extent. So we certainly see some bleeding from the craft beer category because uh, hard seltzers are included in the craft beer category um, over there. So there is going to be a little bit of skewing of craft beer data. Um, yeah, and we should we should just probably just for our listeners' benefit. Uh, stipulate that there is a difference between FMBs that we've talked about in past episodes, which is your flavoured malt yep. beverage, which uh, have to be, uh, what is it, minimum four IBUs. And oh, that, the, that, no, that's over here. I don't think there's the same requirement over there. Um, oh, I'm thinking, yeah, sorry, I'm getting the two confused. Yeah. But, 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 it, but, but the flavoured malt beverage has to have um, like malt uh, as, as fermented its malt, yeah. alcohol, fermented malt as its alcohol base. Whereas, Whereas the hard seltzers exa- are pretty much yeah. just, when, when you look at the ingredients, it's pretty much carbonated water. Um, you throw in some ethanol. Purified rings. carbonated water, Matt. Purified. Purified, sorry, yes. Which just means that filtered it, I'm guessing. Everything needs an adjective. <laughs> um, purified uh, water, ethanol. Um, some citric acid. Citric and acid. Mango and mango well, yeah, if, if it's If, if it's a flavoured one. Some so there's, there's not a lot to it. Yep, exactly. So, but anyway, they're, they're um, huge. Now, one of the things that we did do, um, listeners, when we were in Denver, um, Brewbound, which is probably, it's fair to say, um, the Brews News equivalent in the US, um, looking primarily at the, the industry for the industry. Um, and we went to a Brewbound live talks and there, were, there was an excellent panel that we went to uh, where they looked at um, the rise, you know, craft ciders and wondering whether, you know, posing the question whether or not um, it hurt the businesses or whether um, craft breweries should be looking at getting into the um, in, into the phenomenon. Um, they included Maui Brewing founder Garrett Marrero, Kanaki Craft Brewery uh, Collective President Matt Fraser and Odell Brewing's newly appointed CEO Eric Schmidty schmidt to discuss uh, the expanding portfolios to offerings beyond beer, including hard seltzers, canned cocktails, wine, and much more. Um, and Pete, like I have to say, it was an awesome uh, discussion panel um, to, to be part of. There was some very, you know, forthright views and some very interesting perspectives. Yeah, it was a very well. Yeah, the the whole thing of you know beyond beer. Um, there was what, probably 300 people, I guess, there, all, you know, industry. Um, and the, the, the topic, yeah, was, was really well handled. Um, and I guess it's something that we need to look at because, look, there's little things like uh, I didn't – was sort of aware that Dogfish Head, for example, had, um, had been making craft spirits, but I didn't realise they'd been making them for 15 years. And I guess you look at our equivalent, I guess, might be that, you know, you've got um, Young Henry's who, who have made a gin, 
but we haven't really kind of gone into that. We, we seem to have our uh, distilling quite separate, separate businesses from our um, breweries, and whether that's because of you know market penetration or, or you know population uh, economics, whatever. Um, but a lot, the the topic was really about you know how the, in the states you can't just get by being a craft brewery necessarily. You, you know, once you get to a certain scale, you've got to offer other products to I guess keep more of you know to to, to build your fan base. That, and, and that was the yeah that, that was the big takeaway from the, the US for me is that. It's a much more mature market. The craft segment of the market is isn't growing nearly as quickly as it was even four or five years ago, when a lot of the um, leading breweries invested in huge um, capital, you know, um, expansion, capital expenditure, um, including breweries elsewhere in the country, um, and there are so many small local breweries that people are gravitating towards that breweries are now starting to look at, you know, the, 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 this, um, if you think of craft beer as the trunk of the tree, um, that's what sparked it off. That trunk is well and truly set. And now the, you know, the, the, the canopy is, is spreading into spreading out from just the, 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 the pure craft beer element of, of the business. And so, um, look, I'm putting a link in the show notes to those three breweries discussing their decision. Um, Bart Watson, for his uh, for, for his money, um, asked the question: Should you make a seltzer? I have no clue, but if I were a brewery thinking about whether to fizz or not to fizz, I'd try to answer the following questions in order: Do I think seltzer fits with my overall brand identity? If not, am I willing to build a separate identity for that seltzer? Could a seltzer fill a part of my portfolio that is missing? If so, are there other lifestyle brands that better fit my identity that can fill that gap just as well? It's certainly a trend we're going to see uh, craft breweries here because of that effect. Uh, what, what will we call the Peloton effect, Prof? You know, when you're sort of following the um, for, for, you know, following the leaders in the, in the cycling race, they swerve to miss a uh, pothole. Everyone can see it. They're ready for the, for the pothole when they get to it. Will we start calling that the Peloton effect? I think we can. I think we can try to make that a thing. The okay. Peloton effect, trademark. Uh, but yeah, so as brewers here get to see what's going on in the states, I think we will start seeing brewers broaden their offering. You know, brewers have long had a cider in the offering, um, but I think we are going to start to see uh, breweries looking at how they can get into other alternatives to just the straight craft beer. Yeah, because it was interesting. I think. Um, uh, the brewery beer stat was probably the first time where we saw an on tap. You know, I think they had six that, that, different for those who ciders. Haven't listened to to the thing. It was a great lager only brewery in Denver. Um, beautiful brewery, but yeah, they, they had what six yeah six to eight ciders, I think. Which was yeah, but again, it wasn't under the same under the same banner. So apropos, you know, so what what like what Bart Watson was saying, they've decided. Well, it's not going to be beer stat beer and cider it'll be beer stat beer and um whatever the something c it'll come to me i've got a picture somewhere um but yeah just interesting there was a, a bank of six taps of cider um and everyone in the venue was either drinking you know the beautiful slow paul pilsner or cider or um what you could only describe as vases of beautiful <laughs> German-inspired lagers. And, but um, and we've got a good example of that here. Stone and Wood, for example, you know, they've got a very tight 
um, core range, but then they've got their you know seasonal offerings. But then um, they've got uh, Granite Belt Cider, you know, uh, or Treehouse Cider from Treehouse Cider, yep, from um, the Granite Belt Cider Company. Granite Cider, they've got in, in, interest in kombucha as well as you know uh, dirty kombucha or hard kombucha. Um, they then they've got their uh, fixation, which is Camp, a, sort of yep. you know, IPA, IPA, um, yep, and counterculture as well, which is the experimental and you know a little bit. You might even say off-centered ales for off-centered people. Yeah, absolutely. Although that's trademarked by yep. Dogfish Head, but you know what I mean. Garrett from Maui was sort of saying how with their products they have. Their, their loyal fans have such an attachment to the brand that they have this separate brand, but it says on the can, presented by Maui Brewing Company. So people have you, you, it gives it its own identity, which I guess is halfway, kind of straddling both of the elements that Bart Watson was talking about. You know, does it fit with my brand identity? If not, do I build a set? You know, how do I, am I willing to build a separate brand identity? I guess the third part of that would be C, all of the above. You know, you can kind of have its own identity, but with a link to, the original and i guess a probably good example of that might be hawkers having rover so on the can it says it's it's brewed at hawkers but rover is a you know like a sub brand yep but yeah uh, have a listen to the to the brewbound talk uh that's all legit isn't it all kosher we're allowed to link to that and have a yeah, yeah no, no we, we checked that with yeah. the guys uh, when we were there and they were quite happy for us to 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 link to that and uh yeah i certainly think that our um our industry uh audience will get a lot of benefit from it. Exactly. Matt, spirits are seen to be sinful. <laughs> this was um, alerted to us by Ryan Lumby on the Facebook uh, group. Gin and vodka taxes pay for cheap beer and wine. So uh, Stu Greger, uh, as many people would know from uh, Four Pillars um, and has been in the in the alcohol PR marketing business for a long time before going out in, into, into Four Pillars, but he's also the president of the Australian Distiller, Distillers Association. Um, and he said that uh, taxes levied on different types of alcohol were inconsistent and irrational. I don't think too many people would disagree with that. Mr. Gregor said that wine was taxed on its value, which meant lower amounts of tax were paid on cask wine, while beer was taxed differently according to strength and whether it was sold in kegs or packaged. Um, as it's been said to me, the breathalyzer or doctor doesn't discriminate about how alcohol came into your system. Why would the tax collector? Yeah, look, I mean... I'd First thing you'd say is, of course, he would say that, wouldn't he? When you know you, you uh, own, a, well, he has a declared vested interest. Yes, yes. yeah, yeah, he has yep. a declared vested interest. But on, on behalf the, of his his own shareholders, but also his own stakeholders in the um, distilled uh, Australian Distillers Association. Yep. yep. And but look, you know, I, I think the criticism of wine is 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 very valid. Um, you know, if if the government's tax policy for alcohol is looking at the health um, you know, aspects of alcohol, why would you charge less tax on cheaper wine? Um, because that actually creates a, you know, a glut of um, cheap grape juice um, that doesn't you know, necessarily protect the industry, doesn't do anything um, to, to build up the, the, the wine industry. Um, but throughout history, spirits have always been seen, um, for good reason, as being much more damaging. You know, think of the famous Hogarth paintings. I think they were. You know, you've got Gin Lane and Ale Street. Um, Ale was always seen as much healthier. Um, it's much harder to, uh, you know, just because of the volumetric um, amount. You know, if you have a, a schooner of beer, um, you're drinking, you know, four hundred and what four twenty. 
five mils. Four twenty five um, mils is a schooner. Yep. To, to you know to, to sort of get the same amount of alcohol you can get in a shot. Um, that yeah, you know, a schooner of beer fills you up. You know, there's, it's almost self-regulating, whereas spirits, um, much stronger, you know, 40, 50% in unadulterated uh, form. Um, and it, it's when you've seen, you just have to walk into some bottle shops and see what's, uh, you know, at the front of the store um, discounted and heavily promoted. Um, it, it's the stuff that targets, you know, kids and it tends to be rtds it tends to be the the cheap higher alcohol products um and yeah, yeah. um you know spirits fall into that yes there is absolutely uh, you know artisanal um elements to, to the spirits industry but you know i'll come back to this is an example of where the positive end of the market suffers from the you know debauched end of the market and it, it, it's it's a lesson for brewers um, to, to take note of that if the whole of the beer industry is seen as being you know something that is abused and uh, just cheap booze then it, it makes it easier to argue against the uh, you know to, to increase the tax on beer yeah I don't know whether the ATO is up for or legislators are up for a sort of a, a, a review of the alcohol excise system but yeah at the moment it's clearly unfair i'm not convinced that anyone in the biz um as in in the on the government side of of things is completely clear on why things are the way they are um in in relation to what problems they're trying to avoid or you know which people they're trying to protect um it would be nice to see somebody come in and just go right. You know what? I'm just going to. We're just going to go through this and have a look at why. Why is that like that? Why is it different to this? What is it that we're trying to achieve? And get some sort of sensibility into the um, the, the taxing of alcohol. Absolutely, but uh, yeah, look, you know, it's just one of those things. That there's lots of inequities. Um, you know, I, I think this spirits complaining um, is probably the least um, urgent on the government's uh, calendar. Yeah, can't see them racing to, um, to to kind of sort that out anytime soon but um now matt you and i most of the beer we had we had together and we managed to share it and it was the, that very much that sort of mateship uh, communal um you know sharing of something and then discussing it but i don't recall either of us kind of racing to get the uh the old beer rating app um up on our phones to quickly tell the world about what we were drinking and what we thought of it um don't think we really kind of felt the need a lot of people do uh, and a Baltimore brewer um, came up with quite a novel, and I think you and I both kind of saw this in our Facebook feeds at around about the same time, and 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 kind of giggled in in unison. Um, a new beer described as two stars, not my style sour. <laughs> yeah, well, which is again one of those great complaints: people rating a beer because they don't like the style, and then marking it down, and you sort of think, well, why rate it at all? If it's not your style, if you can't judge it fairly, if you're not judging it against the, what the brewer intended, why bother doing it? And yet, uh, not so much in our uh, awesome Facebook group, um, you know, it's sort of a higher level discussion that takes place there. Thank you, listeners. Um, but on some of the floggier <laughs> groups, people teeing off going, it's my right to say whatever I want on my um, you know, untapped um, page. And if I don't like the style, why should I give it more stars? Because it's just a personal, um, you know, memo to myself. Well, then don't do it. 
yeah, don't make it public. And also, if you want to, if you just, if you, if you can defend your own uh, right to free speech, then you can't disagree with mine when I say, "Shut up, you flog." <laughs> well, yeah, but and yeah, look, I know a lot of people. Whenever I've come out against you know, untapped and things like that, I've had a lot of people that defend it, sort of saying, "Look, this is my." journaling system so i can remember what i've had where i've had it and those sorts of things and i I absolutely see the point um for that but when you see the amount of one-upmanship and the amount of you know harm and also the number of people who share who who use untapped ratings to decide whether or not they're going to buy a beer you realize that it does have a much broader effect um uh you know on the industry so uh, prof as with annaling um you know You've got a right to free speech. You've got a right to say whatever you want, but with every right comes a responsibility. And just think a little bit about it. Um, you know, if, if you want to, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know. I tried Untapped when it first came out and just couldn't see the point and uh, haven't logged in for probably five, six years. Um, so I don't know whether you can make certain reviews um, private or not. Um, but I don't, know yeah, why, don't, I, don't I don't know why these guys are like, not my style. Um, you know, either good on you for trying a beer that isn't your style just to see whether there's something that'll bring you around, in which case... You just, know, just drink it, drink it, but don't rate it. Just drink it, yeah, well, yeah. anyway, yeah. Not, not enough said. Hey, Prof, what right. I am going to throw in um, that's not in the show notes, um, but uh, Daniel Massey, uh, oh, Daniel Ridd, sorry, um, shared it this morning, and it is one that we're keeping a look on. Um, Pure Blonde says organic beers are game-changer. One of Australia's biggest brands has released an entirely organic alternative to its lager and cider, and they believe it's a game changer. So they've um, created a uh, organic version of Pure Blonde, um, and as part of that, they've put out the complete uh, recipe to, to the beer. Now, there's a bit going on in here. First of all, the billboard that they've that they've shown, which it's got. Think of a billboard. Um, that's advertising a product listeners. And, you know, most of them would have probably fewer than 15 or 20 words on, um, you know, big print. So where's your driving past, you can see it. The um, billboard that promotes the complete recipe for um, Pure Blonde probably has around about 800 words uh, on judging on it, very small print. Um, so you're not, unless you really stop, um, you know, you're trying to read it and have an accident, giving it, thus giving yourself plenty of time to read the billboard. You're probably not going to dig too deeply into it. Um, but if you do, um, it, it does give a pretty comprehensive um, explanation for how Pure Blonde's made, including uh, that it's, you know, I, I think from memory, the amount of sugar used uh, outweighs the amount of barley malt uh, used. Um, enzymes used to... Uh, you know, break down the last of the carbs. Um, one brewer told me that when you look at the recipe, um, and then it, they admit that they add um, deaerated water to bring it down to bottling strength. So they, they essentially acknowledge that they're high gravity brewing. Um, one brewer reckons that they're brewing it at between eight to nine percent and bringing it down to the four percent. Um, so a lot of transparency. That said, I've asked a few questions. Um, of CUB uh, almost a week ago that I'm yet to get responses from just about, uh, you know, so I don't know uh, whether... Among your questions, Matt, would, would they include something like, so do you use organic um, amylase 
um, you know, enzyme enhancers, or do, do they, does that not count because it doesn't end up in the finished beer? Well, yeah, so I, like I, don't how organic... I don't know if MLAs can be organic. I, 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 yeah, I don't know enough about the um, making of MLAs, but it's a naturally occurring thing, um, so you'd imagine so. But they go to some extent during the copy um, to talk about how great the far- how appreciative the farmers are um, that they are receiving the spent grain being given them uh, for, for the, the cattle. And did you find receiving? It, it goes to a l- great lengths to suggest that the gra- spent grain is given to the farmers. My understanding is that it's sold to the farmers. Um, so that's a little bit deceptive if they're the way that the copy suggests. So I've asked that. And then also they keep talking about hops. You know, hop pellets are added to, to the brew. Given that Pure Blonde is in a fairly light green bottle, um, I, I sort of would be, you know, I was a little bit surprised to read that they were putting um, using pellets, pellets in as opposed yeah. to, uh, you know, light stabilized, light stabilized hop extracts. Um, and given that they added enzymes and they added, you know, high gravity brewing, um, I would have thought that there's no reason not to be transparent about that. Um, Organic but, cane sugar, presumably? Yeah, yeah, no, all, all, all of that. Um, so, anyway, waiting to hear back from it. And, you know, I, I've been told that this isn't the CUB of past, um, but it's taking a long time to get some fairly straightforward questions answered. Uh, so, I don't know why that is, but we'll report back, um, or you'll certainly see an article about it. But the other thing I wanted to say, Prof, is uh, organic. Um, very troubling. It obviously ticks a few marketing boxes at the moment. People like the thought of things being organic, um, both because it's pesticides free, but then organic is one of it. It's a little bit like craft. It means everything and nothing depending on, you know, you sort of think, well, I'm leaving a smaller footprint on the earth. Um, so organic doesn't use sprays. But as, as uh, when we were talking to um, uh, Darren Gamash um, over in the US, and we uh, talked about it at some length, he, he grows organic hops. They're taking off. Whilst he doesn't use sprays on the hops, it does require him taking the tractor out much more so he burns considerably more um, you know, diesel, diesel fuel yeah. To, yeah. Uh, to, to make sure that the hops To, to physically grub out weeds rather than to phys- you know, yeah, spray exactly. them once and they're gone. And, yep. and he said, yeah, he's, yeah. So that's one of the, yeah, one of the hidden costs, I guess, of, of organic. And, it, and it's one of the things that really troubles me about any of the, you know, big branding of something that, you know, consumers like, you know, it, it has an emotional response to consumers and they may not dig a little bit deeper, particularly when there is this extensive copy written about how awesome this pure blonde beer is. Um you're not getting the full story, and you know, presume I would presume that, um, and we, we might have to dig in a little bit. But if hop growers to get organic hops are having to burn more, uh, um, you know, diesel to, to get those hops, then I would imagine that the barley is going through similar processes. Um, they're also importing the, the the copy does suggest that the barley is imported from Germany, so they use German malt. We grow great malt here, so to to get good organic malt, they've had to increase the carbon miles. Um, you know, I, I I don't know. There was a really good Jonathan Pye skit, um, you know, looking at the climate 
change protesters and essentially admitting that we're all hypocrites on some level and we need to do what we can. I don't know that organic actually solves any of the problems that people are talking about at the moment, even though it makes people feel better about it. It does bring up another question too, mate. You talk, you, you mentioned that the billboard, you know, 800 words. So there's a lot of information to um, <laughs> to convey um, and they've chosen to do it that way and, and look well done to them. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit difficult translating that to, you know, to your bottle label or, you know, whatever it might be. But I'm sure, Matt, that if anyone was able to fit 800 words on a canned label or a bottle label, it would be a very good friends at Rellings label stickers and packaging. <laughs> Nicely done. Seamless. I'd be calling them on 1300 852 235 to discover a more efficient way to get my small batch canning labels done, and you should too. Not just your small cat, your, your, your small batch, but your small print canning labels. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and and look, great to catch up with the guys at, at Brucon as we as we sort of discussed over the last couple of episodes. Um, and really pleasing um, to see that um, that our our seamless advertising is is working, given the number of inquiries they've had and the number of um, uh, customers or relationships that they've developed as a result of of people hearing about Rellings label stickers and packaging from um, this Good Brews Week. Exactly. And and speaking of. Um... Uh, oh, actually, just as I'm uh, going, just oh. to uh, sort of jump back, Facebook, um, in, my, in my Facebook feed that I have open as we d- d- discuss this stuff, um, there's a thing that's just come up on Facebook. White Claw may have outsold Budweiser this summer. <laughs> oh, wow, there you go. That's interesting. So just uh, so I thought... You know, do, 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 breaking, breaking news, news. You, hear, you heard it here first first. And while we there talk about our excellent... Uh, um, Advertisers, Pete, um, Unleash Software, who have been uh, great supporters of ours of late. Um, and, and we've talked a little bit about the the, the, the software um, that they can provide to brewers that can give you a business advantage. And Pete, the th- as I said, um, when we're talking about the US, you know, there is so much competition up there that the more you can get an advantage um, over other brewers the better your business health is is likely to be. Um, we had a great chat uh, with Maria Pearman uh, at BrewCon talking about the data that brewers should be looking at and the data that they should be understanding in order to make sure their business is viable and sound. But also, if you've got a dashboard that can give you that data, it gives you a huge advantage in terms of your costing, in terms of your you know profitability. And that's where software such as Unleash Software can give your business that advantage that will give you you know, sort of make sure that you're making great beer uh, for years to come. Yeah, and a completely unsolicited ad on top of that solicited ad um, or paid for promotional consideration. But if our listeners haven't yet listened to Maria Pearman's, even if you're not a brewery, just have a listen because it relates to, to any business, basically. It's, yep. it's just all, and for me, it was really eye-opening to, to sort of have to consider, okay, yeah, it's, it's the, just a number of things that she brought up that were just so simple and given that she basically came from, you know, I don't want to be an accountant. That's the last thing I want to do. Background, but all of a sudden found herself. Well, actually, that's you know, there's there's things you can kind of think about, and then Unleash Software basically has created a, a a way of tracking all of the things that you need to track. So you can basically work out what your costs are, what they you know, um, how they're going to change, um, you know, zigging and zagging and ticking and tacking and all that sort of stuff. Um, I just found it a really interesting listen. So if you haven't listened to Matt's chat um, from BrewCon with uh, Maria Pearman, uh, as soon as you finish listening to this one, find some time to have a listen to that one. 
And if you, once you've listened to that, if you want to find out more about Unleash Software, um, unleashsoftware.com forward slash brew, and you'll find a link to that in the show notes. That's it. I'm sure one of our other sponsors, Matt Beer Cartel, they are probably very well aware of, um, I don't know if they use Unleash Software. Uh, it may improve their business health if they did, um, because they could find out the exact value of a six-pack of independent Australian beer that is going to be sent to um, the person-deemed letter of the week from our mailbag. Yeah, we might we might have a few other goodies that we can include with your Bruce News Barblade correspondence. Yeah, so don't forget to review us on iTunes, or you can send us an email to be in the draw for the letter of the week, um, which, as I said, thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, um, is a six-pack of Australian beer. When did we do the... Was, oh, there was we did a we did a, an uh, episode from didn't our we? San Francisco a week from, ago from just, room three sixteen at the Signature Hotel <laughs> in San Francisco. That was a week ago, Pete. Can you believe that? It was just a, a, it only seems like it, it seems so long ago now that we were sort of you know, I don't know <laughs> dodging pavement turds and stepping <laughs> over colourful local identities and um, yeah, trying not to get accosted as we walk the streets of San Francisco. Um, I can see now why Carl Molden and Kirk Douglas drove um, yes. the streets of San Francisco. It was much safer. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, we sort of threw in a, a, a ad, ad hoc, um, just sort of in, an impromptu competition regarding, because we were talking about 21st Amendment Brewery, which is quite a famous San Fran uh, brewery. And, Matt, who was the first one to get in touch with the correct answers? Uh, with the completely correct answer that answered the three elements of your question was David Watson on Facebook. 21st Amendment was the lifting of prohibition, which was brought about by the 18th Amendment or the Volstead Act. Yeah, that's, that's close enough. It, we didn't, it didn't need to be purely historical, historically accurate. We just wanted the you know, 21st Amendment, 18th Amendment, Volstead Act. Although Lee of so Brisbane then chipped in and upped the ante by saying the American 21st Amendment related to the Cullen-Harrison Act that repealed the American 18th Amendment that brought in prohibition. This came in on 20th February 1933, which repealed the Volstead Act of Prohibition. Love your show. Keep up the good work. My late father's... Oh, and then going on, he also said that my late father said Rashis Pilsner uh, was the best beer that he's ever drunk. Mind you, that was a long time before craft beer came on the scene. His family <laughs> ran a couple of pubs in Western New South Wales from 1888 to 1940. And look, it does show that the whole Rashis discussion I thought was really great because it just does show how... We, for whatever reason, um, there's just this human need to attach to, um, you know, a, a shared value, um, whether it's under a brand or, a, you know, an item or a, a, a destination, a holiday venue, whatever it might be, you know, the local pub. Um, and sometimes it's lamented when that kind of disappears. Other times it just disappears because people just, uh, you know, move on. So it was, a, it was an interesting discussion. And, yeah, look, um, some of the – getting back to, you know, the US trip, some of the, the best beer we had was just beautiful, clean, brilliant interpretations um, where a beer has been really well designed and then the design has been executed faultlessly but to create a really simple lager or a pilsner or a Kolsch. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. What, what was the prize? I can't remember now what the prize was that we said for uh, uh, that question. I thought we had a. I thought we had a cap and a t-shirt. Cap and a t-shirt, cool. Because we figured, didn't we have a? We got one particularly nerdy t-shirt, um, and we thought, oh, well, if somebody's really nerdy enough to know, you know, yep. that much detail, they can probably they probably earned a, a nerdy t-shirt, and a, and a cap. Absolutely. Yeah. Out of interest, Matt, and just for our interest, listeners' interest, how'd you go getting your um, luggage checked in? Was it all okay? Did you? you know? 
Because you, you, you put in a little bit heavy. It was a little bit overweight. I had to buy a second was it? suitcase. Was it? How, much, how, much, how much was it over by? Uh, about 10 pounds. 10 pounds? What's that in real no, money? No, it's only about five kilos. So it, it, five it kilos. was so pretty touch and go already. But yeah, with so all the hats and shirts and... You know, I, 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 uh, an oil can of Fosters and a couple of white claws. Um, I didn't so what, just uh, what ten, fifteen bucks uh, extra to get that booked in. No, no, got got it, got it back for free because I had to buy the uh, bag. But then, well, I how was, much was they going to charge you for being five? One hundred and sixty US. One hundred and sixty US dollars. Yeah, for another bag. <laughs> but you had you had. Oh no, no, for, for overweight. But I was I had. Yeah, you had a three bag it. limit. No and one you only had two this. bags. Yeah, no. Well, no, I only had one bag. But one bag. But that one in. bag was over the limit. So <laughs> I think it's a workplace health and safety thing. But I don't oh, think anyone yeah. cares about this, Pete. Anyway, um, but thank you to Lee of Brisbane, um, for, and also thank you to uh, Daniel Damian Muscovich. So he was the first one to get in touch, didn't he? But he he didn't have all the. He, all the, the three parts of yeah, the thing, I think. Yeah, so thank you for everyone who emailed and Facebooked. Yeah. Um, now, Keith Painter in the Facebook group uh, had a bit of a head slap moment, smacking my head after initially wondering, how did they manage to get a beer from Oregon to Dan's in Wynnum in six days? Uh, then he heard our comments on the latest podcast and realised, ah, it's 10.01, not 1.10. <laughs> So yeah. it was tenth of Jan. It was tenth of January. It, it was set, yeah. yeah, not not the first of October. And yeah, yeah, yeah you've Still got to taste it. Could be said though. Hey, and, Pete, and Matt, the number of times that you and I had to produce ID uh, before being allowed into licensed premises in the states, which I thought, you know, you've got to take that as a, a compliment, don't you? Until you realise, no, they're actually carding everybody. They're, they're carding everybody. Um, it's a little bit but, like the. But security over there was was really trying to trying hard to work out. Well, how were you born in the in the you know the. 21st month. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's the other way around. Yeah. Actually, the, the one thing I'll say about the Pete is there's, there's a chance that we'll be back in the US at some time next year. And what I think we might do if we do that, um, because Keith's finished by saying it still tasted good. Um, and I, I'm sure it did. Um, and if you enjoyed it, that beer has served its purpose because that's what we drink beer for. But after our little creatures experience um, and seeing how the little creatures that had been on the water and uh, you know, no doubt looked after because it was always in the little creatures' custody, um, I reckon next year we might grab a couple of beers from the bottle shops here and take them over um, and drink them against our equivalent that we've had in the US that has been cold stored. Um, and just do a bit of a blind tasting and see uh, whether we can note a difference. Yeah, yeah actually, that'd be a really, a really interesting uh, experiment, just to sort of see. Mm. Anyway, moving on. Uh, you take the next one, Matt, because uh, uh, it's up from your way, from yep. Andrew from uh, Hilltop Hops. Hilltop Hops, who was our prize winner last week, um, and he sort of responded, this is just for your man on the ground in Brisbane, after listening to an early 2019 podcast where you mentioned the progress on Brewdog construction. I left our hop yard in Hemet, which is just a, uh, just a little bit up the way, actually, south side of the river, and drove to the neighbouring suburb of Murray to check the site out. First impressions. It's in a very out-of-the-way location in a light industrial commercial zone close to the Gateway Motorway and Bridge. The external uh, of the building looks almost complete. Hard, hard to say about progress inside. The site looks onto the river, but the construction does not appear to include large decks to take advantage of this vista. Maybe they are yet to come, time will tell. Some pylons are being put into the river in front of Brewdog. Not sure 
what this is to become. The construction on, says it's a recreational zone. Was there ever talk of a ferry terminal? Um, a few pictures attached. So we can pop those into... Uh, I might pop those into the Facebook group, actually, um, rather than into the show notes. In the show notes, yep. yep. And, yep. and did somebody post in, just in Facebook general, did somebody, or from maybe the uh, Brisbane Beer Barons, one of the Facebook groups, uh, an update from BrewDog so that they're close to... They're just dialing it in again, apparently, Prof. Either brewing or opening? Or yeah, not... but when, when, when I last drove past, um, which was with uh, another beer writer and a um, brewer, it didn't look like a brewery was in yet, So and yet their post said that they're still just dialing it in. So um, obviously dialing it in means something completely different in BrewDog land. <laughs> well, we do wish the Scottish brewery well um, in their endeavours in Australia. Uh, whenever they, you know, I'm, I'm sure when it's ready, they're not going to do it before it's, you know, they're not going to open half assed I'm sure. No, I look forward to my invitation to the opening. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll, it's, it, it will be in the mail. One, one uh, actually, someone that I didn't get an invitation to was Brisbane Brew Partners, which apparently uh, had a soft opening while we were away, Pete. Oh, well, you may have been invited, but you no, were unable to attend because you were overseas. Oh, you didn't get invited. I didn't so this is the one the one that you drove me past uh, on the way to the yep. airport Yep. last time I was up your way yeah. after the ECA. Yeah, the one that's gone, that went very, very quiet after I raised questions about their $5 million investment. But um, they did because we, we drove past there and you could you could see brewing equipment through that front window part, couldn't you? Well, so it is actually, absolutely it is up, absolutely up and um, yeah up and running because um, there was work, there were workers around doing either landscaping or concreting or or something. Yeah, yeah. When we were there, yep. So is that are they actually brewing anything yet? I believe. Well, I believe so. And the, the tap room partners? is apparently open and uh, okay. beautiful looking brewery. Can't you know no no dig at that. It was just more the some of the claims that were being made um, around their $5 million investment strategy and things like that. So I, who knows what their business model is now because initially they were going to become, you know, brew partners and contract brew for venues um, and, you know, overflow brewing. But I don't know who their brewer is. I don't know, you know, any more about it. So maybe they're just waiting, Matt, to speak to our very good friends at Brew O to see, you know, how to go about it. Absolutely, yeah. Because, yeah, so Brew was... Because isn't, isn't that the, just the gift that keeps on giving? <laughs> we, could yeah. all, we could almost have episodes dedicated just to it. It'll be very interesting to see what happens next with the, uh, the sale of Mildura um, and who buys that. I'd be very interested to see what happens to that because it's a beautiful venue in a beautiful place, but it's not necessarily... It's probably, uh, as, as Stefano Di Pieri and the, the previous owners found out, it's probably not quite big enough to be... Um, a national regional brewery, but it's not small enough um, to just be a, a, a community. It's a bit out of the way up. in terms of, you know, if Mildura's you not it. really on the way to anywhere except Mildura. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a little bit different to, you know, you're traveling the coast or, you know, you're going around Warrnambool and, you know, into around to, you know, going the long way to South Australia or um, going around the coast past, you know, Eden and Marimbula and wherever to, to get up to New South Wales. It's, it's kind of, it's a destination. Yep. So, yeah. Mm, and, and look, one of the interesting things we watched with interest. Claire's article last week was one of the first things they did when they raised $10 million on the stock exchange was to buy that brewery, talking about how now they're going to bring all of their production in-house and it's going to be awesome. And then suddenly they're selling off the brewery and going back to contract brewing and so saying how awesome it is that now they're going to be fully contracting their beer because it's going to be so much better and so much more efficient. So, yeah. Um, Two sides of the same coin, Matt. Absolutely. <laughs> 
Anyway, uh, that brings us to the end of this episode of Good Brews Week. But uh, thank you very much again to Crime Alt, who have been great supporters. And we're just discussing this. Like, uh, you know, we're coming up on 10 years of uh, Australian Brews news and nine years of the – or eight and a half years of the, the podcast. Um, and Cry's been along the, the journey with us um, from that time where, look, I don't really want anything from it. I just want to support you guys because I think, you you know, what you're doing is, is valuable to the, the industry. And that's certainly, you know – I guess, shown up by the fact that, you know, we are listened to and respected by the industry, um, whether, I guess, the the source, uh, we're a way of, of people getting their message out to the industry and therefore to the consumers. Um, but, yeah, I, I, we kind of every week sort of say, you know, thanks to Cry Malt, thanks to Cry Malt. But genuinely, you know, they have been great supporters, so thank you to Cry Malt. And also to Rowling's Labels, Stickers and Packaging, and to Beer Cartel and Unleash Software for making all this possible. And again, of course, to you, the listeners, for listening. Matt, thank you very much again. Always a pleasure, Pete. And, uh, you know, thank, thank you again for, for the uh, trip. No, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And um, going through the photos, uh, reliving the memories, it's all a bit of a giggle. And especially with the ones you go, why did I take that photo? Oh, right. Yeah, so some interesting stuff we've got coming up for our, our listeners, some treats, it's fair to say, in the next few weeks. Um, so thank you very much again to everyone, and we'll see you all again for the next episode of Good Brews Week. I've been your host, Pete Mitchum. He's been Matt Kierkegaard. Say good day, Matt. Good day, Matt. I mean, goodbye. Goodbye, yeah, Matt. <laughs> That's one. And uh, goodbye to our listeners. Thanks very much. And we're out. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. Beer.